When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. All right, welcome back. So, continuing our R.L. Stein dive uh, this week, we are going to chat about the new Netflix trilogy, the Fear Street trilogy that just uh, came out. What was the first in July? Um, we've got, let's see, directed by Lee Janiak. Is that how you say that? Janiac, I think. Um, anyways, we got Fear Street Part 1, 1994, Part 2, 1978, Part 3, 1666. Ooh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I see what they did there. Right? So, yeah, super... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was a really fun watch, but we'll just kind of chat about it and see what we all thought. Who would like to go first? <laughs> Joe, as we usually start with you because you're like the newbie horror guy. So what did what did you think about the trilogy? I loved it. I would watch this like every Halloween. Like I thought it was really fun. And I I was like, I mean, in so the first film is 1994, and so it was nice to see like B. Dalton live again. <laughs> I was excited. <laughs> was this is this the mall from? It's the mall from Stranger Things, right? It is. Yep. Yeah. Okay. It is. So, which means that they probably filmed in what Atlanta because mm-hmm. they probably have that mall set somewhere. So, you know, I hear all the best events are happening in Atlanta these days. I don't know. Right. That's just. I <laughs> <laughs> was so that was a really fun thing, and then there was just like little bits and pieces, you know, because I love that. I love that it was also playing with the the whole mythology of like slashers in general. So like how this town has, you know, their, their like rogues gallery of slasher villains. And then they all have the weird, they all have like the different costumes and things. And they're all ghosts. Like it was giving me 13, (laughs) it was giving me 13 ghost vibes. It was, it was so much fun. And this is something that like, I wouldn't hesitate to watch again and again year after year around Halloween. Cause it was just, it was just a lot of fun. So I'm, um, yeah, I'm with you. I, mean, yeah, I, I had, mean, a, I had a blast. I'll add in the representation and all that stuff, which we can talk about later, but my, uh, yeah, I, initial, <laughs> initial impressions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I guess it's easy for me to say it's not a huge fan of the books, but I, I felt the same way and it was special for me cause I watched it with my kids and they were like, there were some gnarly kills. There was that sprinkle of sex. There was everything I was comfortable enough to let a 2021 kid watch that. I think they took eighties, nineties tropes and they did it great for this, for this generation. And, and I, I enjoyed all three films. I really did. I'm, I feel the same way. They're fun and I would watch them again. I thought the kills were really gnarly. I loved the representation and I thought, all in all, the story itself kept me entertained and interested. Nice. 
Jackie, as, uh, as, our, as, our fear street, as our Fear Street expert and uh, person oh, who was shit. probably very excited to hear that they were adapting because the possibilities in your head were probably endless with what they could do yeah. with it. So, uh, what'd you think? <laughs> um, it was okay. Um, yeah. uh, it's, you know what, it's one of those things where we're going to slap the name Fear Street on it and we're going to get people like me to get very excited to watch it. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to give you something that isn't Fear Street at all. Um, thematically, it wasn't Fear Street. It didn't feel like Fear Street. Um, nothing happened on Fear Street um, it was okay. It was it was it was okay. It's nothing that I would probably. There weren't enough about. white characters. No, there, 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 <laughs> there, it did not feel like it. I didn't see myself in it. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no. it just it. If you read Fear Street books, and I and and I can say that I know that you know, it there was sex and there was drugs and there was gnarly kills, which I I agree with. The kills were very cool. The kills being like that gnarly kind of very creative kill that was in these books, mm-hmm. but the whole sex and drugs thing really took you right out of fear street because that was not that this is a YA book. So those kind of things were not in the book. Um, yeah, but I think, you have to admit modern YA novels, which arguably are some of the best ones out there right now, are all sex and drugs too, because they realize that that's what kids today are doing. You know what I mean? Like, I think the evolution of YA is such that like... Okay. Yeah. I don't read YA books, so I will yeah. take your word for it. Um, my other problem, um, I don't know, that I, I thought the acting was fantastic. So what I'm about to say has nothing to do with the acting, but I thought Dina was the most deplorable, despicable character. And it made me not like 1994 because she was such a fucking monster. Really? I hated her. I hated what she did. And I know as a straight person, I have to watch my step. But I think there's also sexual preference has nothing to do with being a decent human being. And I think that she was a see you next Tuesday for the way that she treated Sam. Um, for the way that she just overall acted, like she was manipulative, she was gaslighty, she was just what like, is she gaslighting? Well, <laughs> let's see. She's screaming at Sam, and uh, first of all, okay, we're gonna get into it. First of all, yeah, Dina broke up with Sam. It was Dina that broke it off with her. Um, Sam is a high school student. Do you think she has any say or choice of where she lives and where her parents move her? No. So Dean is like screaming at her that you wanted to go to Sunnyside and you want to go be there and you want to go do that. The girl didn't have a choice. She's a fucking high school student. She's going to go where her parents move. Also, at one point she is coming down on Sam basically for not being out yet. And like, I don't know that struggle, but I'm sorry, you cannot force somebody out. Like, I don't care what your relationship status is. You cannot come down on someone for not being ready to be out. Also, I feel no, like- No, but you can, can come down on them for the effects that has on your relationship. I sure, mean, but you can't, you can't be like, you. what's your problem? That's Why the two you straight. Yeah, this is you two know? straight. Let us, and, let and us explain to you guys like how this should be. <laughs> this is, this is, I'm just saying why I don't like her. I feel I'm, like she was I would to like to counter- Counter your point that there's no parents in this film. Uh, 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 Hold up, hold up, hold up. (laughs) She was, she, 
you know, she's mad at her because now Sam has maybe, maybe she, she's bi, maybe she's pan. Like she wants to explore things differently. Um, I didn't like that they went with the general, general, gender neutral Sam. Cause it's like, oh, you know, Dean is pining over a boy. And it's like, you know what? Like, you can see where it's coming a mile away that she wasn't pining over a boy. Like there were many things. In what do you mean where- by that? What? How, how did you see it a mile away, Jackie? Were because you gender coding her? Because it's lesbian. <laughs> look, look. Don't, I vacationed in lesbian land for a short you. period of time. And she you know vacationed what? there. She Women vacationed there. Women are terrible, which is are. why I packed my bags and I left. So I, I, I vacationed in lesbian land and I didn't like the company. So I left. Well, um, we're going to unpack that one day, but that, continue. We can unpack that later. <laughs> But no, I, I, there was just I I I just I feel like if the role was a man and a woman, people would be so mad that the Dina as a man character was going after her. They broke up, but like she was so persistent with her. Like if it was a man, they'd be like, "You need to back off." She no means no, and you need to take a step back. And Dina was so fucking persistent with her and just you know she just was wrong mad for all the wrong reasons things that had nothing to do with sam like and the whole plot like of of this angst and this anger dina was the one that broke up with her so step back and check yourself that you're screaming at this girl when you're the one that fucking left her so anyway i didn't like dina so right. that, it kind of bothered me with 1990 might, might i counter yeah. might i counter to that Please just briefly first of all I, I, I see where you're coming from. I do. And I think there are some flaws in the character, but I actually found her to be refreshing. And here's why. Now, my first response is there's no parents in this film. So you can't possibly assign her decision to move to the other town to parents who don't exist because none of these kids had any parental guidance. All of their decisions are, are their serious? own. Are you serious? Yeah. She, number she, two. She, she <laughs> just bought a house and decided to <laughs> No, you can't because that's the most <laughs> asinine argument. That we don't well, you know what? If that's the case, then these kids probably don't exist because their parents never had you know what happens when you assume things jackie (laughs) this is all just imaginary this is it somebody's dream because clearly parents aren't there so nobody has to have them exist like that that doesn't even count as a counter all right well thank you that's point number one number two you are forgetting that these are teenagers they are not approaching this with a 40 year old's insight to love. You mean to tell me you never broke up with somebody and then went back at them like they broke up with you? You mean to tell me you've never been there where you've maybe made a couple of overly dramatic, I'm going to write a note, make a mixtape. We've all been there. That was such a, to me, looking at this with a 40 year old lens, of course I, I'm annoyed by their behavior, but they're teenagers. 16 year old me was very much like that, where I would make a mixtape and write fuck you on a note, even though I broke up with them. And I, to me, it was a perfect teen story i'm not supposed to be able to uh, 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 like a 40 year old me isn't supposed to like or acknowledge that their choices are good i'm supposed to recognize that they're teenagers and teenagers be tripping number two uh, number and three. that is fine that is fine but they are people are elevating her character as something that's elevating her character yeah of course they are <laughs> well uh, entertain the entertainment weekly article that i read when i did research oh, on it entertainment has weekly. her as this 
you know, queer horror hero that we deserve. And <laughs> she if that's the queer, the queer horror, horror hero we deserve. <laughs> so then that means, so then I, I'm going to just stereotype that queer horror people are all douchebags like she is. Because if that's the hero status, then y'all have to act like douchebags to be like her. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's, first of all, there's a lot of flaw to your <laughs> mythology there. Because you have a Latino, a, a Latinx a queer character, and you're pissed off that she's too saucy and too strong? Uh, like, okay, too bad. How is <laughs> saucy and strong, like, in, in any sort of equation to be equal um, to I use saucy because you know people are so saucy. And dick bag. <laughs> Like, you um, can be saucy and strong and not be an asshole. And also, I would argue that I, I never perceived her frustrations to be about pushing Sam to come out. more. It was more about her being upset that she was trying to hide behind a heteronormative relationship. So that's how I read that. So I just think we have, we're coming at it from two different perspectives. I don't entirely disagree with you. I love riling you up. I love that you have to quote Entertainment Weekly to try to trump me. But at the end of the day, I'm okay with my, my, my queer daughter seeing Dina and being like, yeah, that's cool so, so you so know here's fingers crossed your daughter grows up to be like her then right like that you you want your daughter to like scream at people and get mad at them for things that they have no control over because I, I want my daughter to add, I, I want my daughter to advocate for herself yeah i'm okay i wouldn't well, be mad if my daughter turned into dina being a douchebag to your i don't know where you were things <laughs> so <laughs> Okay, this is amazing because, again, this is like, you know, this is why I love doing our show because there's so much to unpack, you know, that it's like, I mean, I agree. I think there are things about Dina that's like, yeah, that's very weird and creepy, uh, you know, at times. But I do also agree. Now, the, the, the thing is, is that growing up, neither Joe or I, as the queer people in the room, had these experiences. We never got to date. We never got to like do this so I have no idea what I would have been like in high school you know in a queer relationship I mean I you know I had girlfriends but I didn't you know I never really had like a boyfriend to have this kind of dramatic experience with um so I, I have no idea like you know how to really interpret you know again I don't know is it do we know if the director or any of the writers involved in this one of the writer people, yeah are lesbians are uh the writer is straight but what her co-writer Phil uh Greds D- Day Grazidier is gay and he was she actually did an interview um, it wasn't for Entertainment Weekly, though, but it was an interview where she quoted th- b- saying that she wanted to make sure that she was doing right. And um, while Phil was already involved, he was very much her go-to person for making sure that representing, like, a teen experience. And she actually talked to the idea of not having teen relationships when you're LGBTQ. And I think it's still very much the truth. Like, I worry about that with m- my own child all the time. So, yeah, I, that's such an important point. And, yeah, she's not flawless. I'm, I'm never saying she is, but I think that condemning her for being a – I think – I don't know that I think it's fair to call her gaslighting. I think she's very much a teenager – and what she does throughout the arc of the rest of the story to me is nothing short of heroism. That and the love story underlying it all is very was sweet for me. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm just a sap, though. Who knows? I do want to say that, like, I did have friends who were lesbians who were in lesbian relationships, and maybe they were actually a couple of them have now grown up and married men and have kids and are not lesbians anymore. I guess. Oh, they were vacationing like Jackie. In- <laughs> <laughs> But there was something like in watching this movie, uh, especially 1994, that it is the one that I kind of, you know, had 
you know, a very like, oh gosh, I kind of remember this feeling because the, the the girls I knew were always dramatic like this, you know, and they traded off and they went back and forth and they would be, you know, intensely in love one day and then not the other day. And I fucking hate her. And oh my God, I love her so much. And, you know, we got, I mean, it was just like tons of drama. So, but again, I don't know if that's, that's not like a queer thing or a woman thing. It's not just, just a teenager, a teenager, like, you know, back and forth. And, you know, the straight people were kind of the same way. And, you know, there's just so, so much drama. And so, yeah, I do agree that I think I think it's very complicated because obviously at the end of the day, the, the main storyline is about senders their relationship as the one is trying to save the other. And there's lots of different readings, you know, you could give that about like you know, uh, being yourself and like, you know, being, you know, untethered from like the expectations of others. You know, I do think there is pressure there that Dina's kind of putting on Sam to like come out or at least to, you know, kind of both sides. I mean, it could be both. It could be that pressure, but also like just recognize our relationship, recognize that I'm important to you while I'm screaming, you're all 16 in 10 years, your brains are going to be totally different and you're not... (laughs) You're not, all of this will be nothing. Uh, Joe, sorry. What were you going to say? Sorry, I had to I, I had to raise my hand. Um, so <laughs> so here's the thing, right? I think that what we, for me at least, what, um, what kind of puts this all into perspective is like, do, so like I agree, I agree with, with, uh, with both Jackie and with Marissa. And the, I mean, like we're also living in a time where two things can be true. Like that's my favorite it's one of my favorite things in literature. It's like two things are true, but, but like, yes, it, yes, it is shitty. And like, for me, when I'm watching this, when I'm watching the whole Dina stuff, I'm seeing it as a couple things. I'm seeing it as Dina's upset with her. She's upset with Sam, but because she's also, she's really mad at herself. Do you know what I mean? And it's not, and it's not necessarily even about like the coming out of it all. It's more about being left behind and being stuck because one thing that this like whole series, all three movies really loves to hammer in with the, with the biggest hammer into the audience is the idea that shady side is bad and sunny Vale is good and shady side people will never leave ever shady you know what i mean and so like they're they're kind of like stunted from the beginning and they have they're behind the eight ball and they're never going to get out of there they're going to die there and be killed by a psychopath that's in that's possessed by a witch right and so (laughs) and so when you when you think about it like that it's like it's taking that like it's like inception it's taking that idea of like you can never leave shady side to its to its and blowing it up to not only can I not leave Shady Side, but the person who like was supposed who the person who I identified as my person and who is now going to leave me behind to go to the other side of the tracks and have a better life that I will never see. And so I feel like that kind of it's it's pro, it's projecting and uh, that that anger about that about being stuck onto Sam when it's not really Sam that she's mad at. Well, I mean, I, I, again, I interpret it as that she's not really mad at Sam to begin with. I interpret it as she's mad at the situation, which is why I think like both things are true. Like, yes, Dina's being really shitty in the beginning and I, and, and I'm looking at it and I always struggle with this. This is something that I really struggle with in, in a lot of queer, um, in films where and and TV where you have like one character who's not out and one character who is out because like there's a lot of circumstances that are keeping people in the closet like I um 
I have friends who work in uh, student affairs and higher education, and when they're talking specifically with queer students, and when the pandemic happened, a lot of their students that uh, would normally go to like group events had to like do these group events in like the bathroom or like wait until they, they said, hey, I can't do it because my parents are up at this time. And because, you know, you're still figuring that out. I think about like my own process as well, too, where it's like, you know, I, there were things that I would have loved to have done, but like, I was always afraid that I was going to get a phone call or something in the mail or something like that. And so, so I always, I always butt heads with that because it's like, yes, on one hand, it's like, we're living currently now we're living in an age where, um, it's better for younger people to be out because, you know, their parents saw how it was and all that stuff. I mean, for the, in ge- I speak in generalizations. It's not, it's not always, it <laughs> doesn't always get coasts. better. <laughs> <Coastal> <laughs> <Yeah>. language. <laughs> it doesn't always get better, but like, but you, but you see that, right? And so like, I totally see that with, I totally see that in Dina, that anger, but like, I see it as more of a, it's a class thing as opposed to, like she's being really shitty because I mean, again, I could, I could, I could explore deficit thinking and say the only reason why she's acting this way is because she doesn't have a family. And this is like the one good thing that she has is her relationship with Sam. It's the one thing that makes her feel like she's alive, but, but I, but I won't. And I'll just say like, it's just, it's a way for the writers and for us to even to have the emotional connection to why shady side is bad and Sunnyvale is good. And then it adds the stakes of like why they need to break the curse in order for things to kind of equal out and, and stuff. But I mean, I you, love, Oh my God. I love that. I really do. You both made some really great points. And so I'm sitting here. Cause like the, when Jackie said that I went, I clutched my pearls. I did a gay gasp. And then I thought about it more and more. And I was like, she's fucking right. <laughs> like, she's fucking right. She does that thing that I hate that characters do. Like, it's right now, it's a thing on the second season of Love, Victor, where Benji is all like, I mean, I don't, I think I'm the only one who watches Love, Victor here, but um, where, where the character of the newly, the boyfriend of the newly out character, Victor, is like, telling him like i need to you need to call me your boyfriend in front of your mom right now even though no matter how uncomfortable it makes her and i take issue with that so deeply in my heart because it's like it's like my mother gave birth to me like she had this entire life envisioned for me she thinks that she knows me in this entire way and all and like she's still dealing with that like i i want to meet people where they are right it's one thing if like she kicked me out of the house in in the in context of the film kicked me out of the house but i don't know i that is my that is my two cents no it's it's i think you're so right and that's such a beautiful kind of way to to bring our two points together and meld them i i agree 100 percent with you and i think the whole shady side versus sunnyvale theme is so important to the entire three films this idea of the oppression of the shady siders by what turns out to be a straight white male and his evil. And then also um, the fear of the other and the fear of like the fact that so much of, of, of being the other means being closeted and means being oppressed and means being treated so poorly at the bigotry and misogyny that is still so focused on these two young girls to me is like why I will go like die on the hill for this movie. Because the fact that, you know, 500 years after witch trials, it is still very much the the others that and and often women who are being persecuted 
for, for who they are and what they do. And the fact that that is fucking static and never changing makes me like, just want to Hulk smash the universe. But I think that's why this film to me, I don't care what they call it. I don't care how, you know, whatever flaws there are in the storytelling. I think it really did a great job of remind. Like, I love that my daughter had to be like, Oh yeah. Like the witch trials. And and that's kind of like today and how people, you know, like watching young people make those connections through this film is profound. And I think that, you know, we do have to remember that this is ultimately a, a, a not, you know, we shouldn't be looking at it with the lens of 40 year old people, you know, like, I think we do have to kind of, we have to remember that maybe it like watching it through the lens of a, of a teen helped me really kind of come to terms with that. Huh. Plus I hang out with teenagers all day, you guys. So I, I tend to agree that they're, well, yeah, that. you're kind of, you're in that consciousness a lot more, you know, I mean, I'll say when all I, the time. Yeah. When I first was watching it, cause Jeffrey and I watched together, he never read any of that. He wasn't a horror person, you know, so he never read any of them. And I did feel, um, a little kind of on the opposite of like Jackie's feel. Like when I was watching it, I was like, God, this is, you know, cause he kept going, what the fuck is going on in this? And I'm like, this is kind of what the books were like with these kind of like bonkers premises. And like, you know, there were things that they were doing that I'm like, this does remind me of reading the books uh, to some extent, just kind of the, the teenager of it all. Uh, but I mean, I also agree that these are jacked up, you know, in, in the sense of like adding the drugs, adding sex, adding all of these things that like teenagers now expect to see, you know, in a film. But I don't know. How, OK, so let's chat then about because <laughs> this I mean, this is wonderful. Queer, queer power, um, <laughs> but not queer oppression, oppressive power. Um what about the central, so back to the central, like the story, what it's about, it goes, it's, you know, the witch and this whole thing. Uh, Jackie, what did you think about that part of it? And, you know, like that, the, the, the thread, the thread. Of what the story um, was about. It was, it wasn't bad. Um, again, it's silly to put the Fear Street name on it because the Fear Street origin story, they, they wrote a Fear Street origin story. And this is a completely different origin story. Is that so the this saga? Is good. The Fear yeah, Street Saga. The Fear Street Saga. Like this, the, the Netflix origin story isn't bad, but they... <sighs> <laughs> no, I, I, I hear that. I hear that sigh so much. <laughs> yeah. Like it, the, the, in the book, the original Fear Street origin story is a very well-developed story about two family feuds basically and it's kind of a back and forth of you know the two rival families and who really started it and who's really the worst one and it's just each family that well i'm gonna get revenge on you and then 50 years later well i'm revenging because you revenged on me and then it's this continuing saga of that and it talks about this family starting in the 1600s moving all the way into i think like the last book is like 1910 or something like that yeah but it's a very interesting story like almost like a hatfield mccoy thing with the fear family and the good family and again it goes back and forth of like honestly like they're both villainous like there's really no you know good versus evil in the origin story because they're they both do really really shitty things to each other uh the origin story i i can obviously see why they picked a different origin story and they made it more like they did in the netflix series especially when you have 
strong female characters you want to make it more of and like a revenge for the oppressed female situation like i understand why they went with the choice that they went with and thematically with the way that this story is being told that origin story for the netflix story works i don't think if they stuck with the original origin story it would have worked as well because of the story they were trying to tell so it it be what it be it wasn't terrible but Obviously, I prefer the original. It's so cool to be able to, like, hear based on... Because, like, you have such knowledge of the canon that it's always good to hear, like, these insights. Mm -hmm. That was me complimenting you after we fought. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I hear that so deeply. I hear that so deeply, Jackie, because... And and Joshua, I'm, I'm, I'm curious because Joshua's... And he's gone on record on the podcast uh, as having said, like, Uh-oh. when he goes to see an adaptation of a book, specifically, like, of a book, he's he wants it to be, like, he wants them to adapt the book. Like, yeah. this is his major, his chief complaint of the new Pet Cemetery is that it's, you know, or, or and other, and, uh, in other ways that it has manifested where, like, the writers in their infinite wisdom, the screenwriters in their infinite wisdom have changed the ending or changed this aspect of certain things. Um, and so in in this, it's like, okay, yes, we get the nostalgia of it all. Like, nostalgia's great, but, like, they weren't... It's interesting because it's like they weren't speaking directly to the... Uh, they weren't speaking to directly to the inner children or like the past selves of like the, of the original fear street fans. They were trying to speak to them like now. Right. So like, I, I, I envision like a like lesbian budding lesbian, like fear street reader. And then now watching it and still not being Still also being like, oh, having conflicted feelings because it's like, oh, this is great. I see myself for the first time in the books in this very real way, but also it's not what I loved about the books, right? Like, it's not that kind of, it's not that kind of kooky that, you know, that whatever the magic special secret sauce is that makes you have that kind of connection with the books. And again, it also could be like, this is how we do, this is how we do that now for a like young audience into 2021. Right. Like I thought like, I thought that the sex scene in, in 1978 was really, was particularly graphic having it be geared toward, um, having it geared toward like a high school ish audience. I mean, Marissa, the fact that you sat there. <laughs> like, oh my god, I, I might have closed. Like I might have made over my younger one. I might have done the old eyes hand over eyes because I was like, oh my goodness, that escalated quickly. Because in the first one, it was a little bit nuanced where they didn't. But man, it's so, but you know what? Like I had to give them the respect because like. Uh, to be fair, like, what did you, I should have seen that coming. Like the director was so careful in her way of making each film. So feel aesthetically and done like, like it, it felt like a 1970s slasher, right? Like I have to give it that credit, but yes, cringy, cringy, cringy as a parent. (laughs) And I think there was, was there nudity? There was nudity, right? They showed his butt. They showed the guy's butt. I mean, it was pretty, you know, it was graphic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't remember if they set, showed any bear. No, there was no bear breast. No, it, right? no, yeah, no. I think the, we just got a tiny shot. Yeah, 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 the guy. Um, which I it reminded me of. Um, it reminded me of Grindhouse. It reminded me of the of the sex scene in Planet Terror. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> where they're like, it's just like tastefully cut in a certain way, but it's still very graphic. And so, 
but so like seeing that and so i i feel that really deeply because like i too if if they remade something that i loved and like what what what's something i really love animorphs if they did <laughs> If they read it, I mean, yes, they had the Animorphs series, but that's not fair because the Animorphs series was also at the same time the books were being written. Right, um, yeah, yeah. It's clearly did, based on the books. Like, exactly. You know, but they if they adapted. did that now, yeah, if they did that now, Animorphs, Encyclopedia Brown, like, you know, if they did that now, it wouldn't, is it just like we're calling it that, um, but we're not having it be anything even remotely or resembling it. Same thing with the remake of Black Christmas, right? We talked about that where it's like the remake of Black Christmas could have just be called something else because it really didn't feel like yeah, it what was. what did it have to do, yeah. What did it have anything to do with either Black Christmas film that came came before it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so yeah, but um, I so I feel that really deeply, Jackie, about this about that and and it's just so funny right because you're seeing this inflation of the inflation of your collection of in a way that like it's like why are people even buying it it's not (laughs) it's not the same (laughs) there's no point in buying like you're not gonna see like you know you're not gonna see lesbians in in uh the original and and it's not that they're and it's not even that any i think people are under the some people are under the misconception that these are being adapted from specific books which isn't true at all uh i mean like there is a mention of camp nightwing in one of the books but you know there there's a there's one of the one of the books you know the kids go to camp nightwing but outside of that, the similarities end. Like it's these 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 movies are not based on specific books. They are based on just kind of the idea of Fear Street. Like in the Fear Street books, there is no Sunnyvale and Shady Side rivalry. Like that that's just not a thing. Shady Side does have kind of like a wrong side of the tracks, but it's more everything is within the town. Like right. Fear Street is, you know. There, there's good and bad on that street. Like, you know what I mean? Like, as far as like the house, I, I don't know. Like, there's just, good and bad, but darned if, if be careful if those minorities move in. Am I right, R.L. Stein? <laughs> <laughs> I love but, you, Jackie. Uh, yeah, like the themes, like they, they, they made this show thematically based on it. It's certainly right. not adapted from any specific book. Um, you know, it, it's it's as much you know like to say that a nightmare on Elm street was based on true stories, you know, was based on yeah. a true story because, right. of, you know, West Craven reading an article about people that died in their sleep. And then he took it and ran with it. Right. That's about as much as this has been adapted. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was a Sarah fear character in the book, but oh, she okay. was a, a footnote, you know, she's, uh. she's in the timeline. She's a footnote because it's really, like I said, like it, there, this whole, their thread of the origin of Fear Street is absolutely nothing like the re- none what's of the, in the none of the killers are from the mythology of the books. Not that I can remember. It's not no, like there's specific serial killers now. Yeah. See, I, possession I, is. I mean, possession happens. I mean, the, that's what yeah. the, the whole cheerleader saga, which isn't necessarily Fear Street, although. Fear Street is in that, right? I mean, oh yeah, no. Yeah, it's, they it, crash it, the it, bus, and it's the whole thing. I, I think it's, it's like that series is the Fear Street cheerleader series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like possession is definitely one of those like features of, mm-hmm. of Fear Street. You know, so there are things again. You're right, thematically that yeah. they're kind of pulling from, but yeah, totally going a different direction. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you started to say something, Marissa. Oh, okay. Well, then I was going to say the other the other kind of conversation because of Fear Street. You know, they're sort of adapting. You know, from the '90s. So I also think about the Goosebumps film they made and the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark film that they made. And I think that there is. I I do think that it's like justified to be a little frustrated with you know adapting. Okay, so I, I feel a couple different ways. Like Joe brought up my my uh, thoughts on like adaptations of books. Like, yes, there's part of me that's like. The author wrote a book. It was much beloved by people. We want to see that story played out on screen. We're fine with it. We know we know the end. I'm still going to go see it. You know, that's fine because that's always the thing. Writers, directors, well, we, people read the book. We want to like twist it. No, we don't fucking need that because it's always terrible. Your idea is always way worse than than what they did. I can't think of many books that or many movies that have improved on a book um <laughs> you know at least story-wise i know one one go ahead what forrest gump forrest oh, gump was i didn't even know it was one. a book <laughs> because forrest gump in the book was an was he was mean okay he, he was mean in the book and because he got picked on by people right. you know because it's 1950s and Set it's forrest gump and, yeah and he got picked on by people so he had a bit of a mean streak and he would say some mean things to people and I remember reading that book and of course I had read it well after I had seen Tom Hanks. And in my head, I'm like, Tom Hanks would never say that. Like Tom Hanks would not call somebody <laughs> a shithead. That's not right. That That's not, that's not my forest. So <laughs> it, like it was, it was tough. Maybe if I had read the book first, but yeah, like that's the only time, the only time where I think the movie is better than the book is as far as gone. Well, I didn't even know it was a, a book, but, but regardless, like it's not, it's not common. It's like, it's fine. Like we, we know what's going to happen. We're perfectly fine with seeing, you know, you adapt the film if you know, you even care about it regardless. Um, you know, cause we were talking about that in the book, in the book club that I'm in of like, you know, do I read the book first and then see the movie or do I see the movie and then read the book? And somebody pointed out, it's like, you might as well see the movie first cause the book is only going to be better. So why disappoint yourself? you know, the other way around. Cause usually if a movie is adapted, I try to read the book first. That's yeah. been my behavior for years, but then I'm always like, well, I mean, this is whatever, you know, I mean, it's not like I'm carrying some violent, like anger about it, but it's just, it's sometimes it's just, it's nonsensical. And that's kind of like with the scary stories movie, they did like a, like we're taking the spirit of the books and some of the stories and kind of telling a new story. And I mean, fine, whatever the goosebumps movie, the same thing. It's like about the author and like his books, like characters coming to life and invading this town i'm like okay i mean there wasn't a better idea (laughs) and kind of the same thing with the fear street again yeah it does feel thematically and i guess i don't know it's just weird again i'm just it's weird being i'm not 40 yet but i'm fast approaching in a few years so it is kind of strange to see like my childhood being mined and then like twisted and it's like that's not I mean, there are books you could have based this on. You could have told a really cool trilogy of films based on, you know, the books, you know? So, yeah, I I get that frustration, too, that it just, it doesn't feel, it's like, what what was the point, you know, except to reintroduce, like, this to a new generation of people who Mm -hmm. may run out and read the Goosebumps books or go out and read Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark and be like, wait, what? this has nothing to do with the movie. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's yeah, no, that's all really fair, you guys. And I think that as people who are emotion, like more, you had an emotional tethering to the books that like I didn't, which maybe made me it easier to just kind of be like, oh, this is fun, you know. Um, I will say, as I'm kind of like, I loved the Sarah Fear like thread only because I loved that at the end of it, they really bonked on the head with the old men were the real problem. 
<laughs> in both in Salem, <laughs> specifically, of course, uh, middle to upper class white males are always the real witches or the real problem. Um, but yeah, no, like I loved that this, that, that ca- I don't know. I thought the second movie was the slam dunk of the three for me. Like if I had to rank them, I'd be like the second one, the third one, and then the first one and how much I enjoyed them. But I loved the second one because it felt very like, like uh, it honored 70s slashers and grindhousey kind of movies. But then I loved that Nick was the bad guy. Cause I gotta be honest, by the end of the second one, I guess I should have said spoiler alert. Sorry. I, All right. We'll put one on the whole episode. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. I love Nick. Like, cause how cute was he and Max from stranger things? They were adorable. And then, you know, like I just really was surprised by the turns and I really enjoyed them and I was here for it. And so I think it, I think you're totally right. But I think that like, it was easier to just enjoy it because I didn't have that emotional tethering, you know? So that's totally yeah. fair, you guys. Yeah. Well, and I did enjoy them. They were they were fun to watch. Again, I did feel like at times I was, you know, back reading the books because of just some of the silly factors, some of the heightened drama of it all. Again, the teenager of it all, you know, and, and thinking about, like, being a kid in the 90s. And, see, like, I was glad that, like we talked about at the beginning, like, the mall felt real. Like, I remember those stores. It wasn't, like, made-up stuff. It was, like, real. I'm like, wow, this is, like, a real place I would have went to when I was, you know, 11, 12, 13, you know. Um, it just felt, you know, there were things about it that felt very familiar and you know so overall i definitely enjoyed them i i would i'm not against rewatching them uh it was cool to see a queer character you know when i was reading them at that age any kind of books like that you know it was that kind of confusion of like you know wanting to sort of be the female characters like in reading them because there weren't like queer stories but i'm like there were you know boys like you know that you have crushes on you think oh this this would be us in the you know the world you know so so it was part of me that i did enjoy like giving it that queer lens i thought that was a smart choice um but yeah i don't know overall it, it yeah it did not i i have to agree with jackie that it, it didn't they could have called it anything you know it didn't really matter you know that that it was fear street i didn't get that same exactly that vibe but you oh know what gosh. they can I be angry for a second with something that really chapped my tush about this film? <laughs> sure. <laughs> the fucking music. It's like, did they get a discount for using only 15 seconds of every famous song from the 1990s? Or did they like, <laughs> like, I was like, okay, stop it. We get it. Like, yeah. yes, we all love Radiohead, but can you, like, it just felt so wedged and like inorganic to me. Like, in the 70s too, I was like, yeah, we all love Bowie, but this feels very, I don't know. It did, they I really just wanted you. They really wanted you to know that you were in that in that time frame, right? Right. right. And so Netflix wanting you to know that they have all the money. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> we can afford. We can afford to buy this fucking song, but and only not play hardly any of it. I know. <laughs> like they, I'm telling you, they got uh, they got a bulk discount. I don't care what anybody says. Hello, pores. <laughs> There was a discount for only. Did anyone else get? I don't know if anyone else watched. Uh, watched at least uh, in the beginning. Watched uh, Supernatural, but like during the whole "Carry On My Wayward Son" part in this in in 1978, I was just like, "Oh my god, this is great!" Because it it was it kind of like was lending itself to that. You know, it was just like, "Oh, I now immediately think that we're in a supernatural thing because now I hear "Carry On My Wayward Son." Yeah, and (laughs) there was another song that was like felt like another movie. I felt like that happened a couple times where I was like, "Ooh, this reminds me of," you know, because of the song. Cherry bomb, just a really good use of cherry bomb, 
and yeah, and there's lots of homage, yeah. yeah, lots of that vibe, yeah. And then you have like the third one, 1666, where it's like you know, just like <laughs> do, 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 like plucky minstrelly type, you know. <laughs> Bet they got those for free. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, you know, there's discussion that they're going to kind of continue the series. They want to create like a Marvel cinematic universe, you know, for Fear Street on Netflix. Um, are there any books that you would like to see directly adapted, Jackie? Just kind of for final, final wrapping up the episode. Is there anything that you're like, man, they should just, if they're going to go for it, fucking go for it. Adapt this book. Yes. Um, so there are the super chillers are like the big books, like the regular books are kind of small, you know, quick, easy reads. Super chillers are kind of like the big ones. Um, and there is, I believe there's three in, uh, the silent night trilogy and it's a Christmas based heart. There's a girl works at a mall. Like it's a whole, I would love to see any of the super chillers. Like there is the, um, there's the oh, I forget the vampire one I forget the name of it suddenly but yeah I would like to see any of the the Silent Night trilogy would be a really fun one to see um, and then what was the other one um, Broken Hearts was another one that I really liked any of the super chillers I think would be good because there's enough there's enough story there to really adapt like that's the problem with a lot of the like the smaller regular books if like they all intertwine in some sense every now and then someone will mention a character from another book or whatever but the 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 individual books themselves there's not a ton of story there to make a movie on the cheerleader saga would be really cool especially because of the the supernatural element in that one is awesome you know like because that's the thing with fear street sometimes it is a supernatural thing sometimes it's the boy next door or the girl next door being the killer, you know? So sometimes it's regular human criminal activity and sometimes it's ghosty and it's fun that they mix it up with both. There's gotta be one of the books called the boy next door, right? No? Yes. (laughs) Yes, There's a boy next door and I believe on a girl next door. (laughs) He, see, he tried for a little bit of equality. He tried for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. No, that, I think that, I think those are great picks. I'd love to see the cheerleader, uh, cheerleaders adapt. Although of course the uh, fear street, the, the 1994 kind of, that's how, I mean, that is like that scene where the bus crashes and they Mm -hmm. accidentally, you know, summon the, you know, the spirit and, you know, so it is, you know, they were kind of using that same idea just to tell a completely different they, story. Yeah, they I don't care. They, they can still do it, yeah. you know? And there's plenty to mine there with, you know, where you could adapt it now and add some diversity and add some oh, yeah. queerness. And, you know, there, there's lots of opportunity there to make it quote unquote better, you know, um, in the sense of like, you know, expanding. Um, this was so awesome. I'm really glad that you all had time to do this today and to, and to chat with us. Um, I love, you know, when we first heard about it, Jackie, we immediately started talking like, oh, whenever this happens, we got to talk about it. Let's do a whole chat about R.L. Stein and Fear Street. Uh, you know, so this, this was super fun to get to kind of nerd out with you on this. Um, now, Marissa, we get, we have a pin stuck in this because uh, Christopher Pike is getting an adap- adaptation on Netflix for The Midnight. Yes, Club. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> excited about it. And he's been saying in interviews that they're going to, it's like they're original stories, but they're also going to be adapting some of his books into that. So some of the stories that they tell each other are actually some of his books. 
So we'll um, definitely and, have and Jackie, to- I mean, if you were a fan of Christopher Pike as well, I mean, See, I just, we were talking about it at the beginning. No, I was just going to say, I'm, I cannot wait for us to have this conversation because Marissa and I are going to be completely switched. Never read Christopher Pike. I was awesome. very, very faithful to R.L. Stein, And to me, it was like, it's that whole like Stephen King versus Dean Koontz Dean thing. Koontz, yeah. So for me, it's like I look down on people that read, you know, Christopher Pike when I was in grade Fair. school because um, we read we read R.L. Stein. Thank <laughs> you. That's great. Saying, I read oh, both. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, so this will be, yeah, be fun yeah. when that happens because, yeah, I'm going to be where Marissa is where I never read Christopher Pike. So I'm going to be coming at that with like the – completely fresh like whatever they tell me sure if that's how things go that's bible that's great i love it so that'll be it'll be a nice dynamic switch yeah, yeah. i yeah so i'm looking forward to that because i am i definitely i really like christopher pike i, I mean i again i loved rl stein as well you know and i read the, like a lot of the ya you know stuff that he did but they're just like christopher pike always pulled in weird like you know not well not weird i don't want to say weird but he used different things to base like he used a lot of hinduism and like eastern mysticism in his books that i was like as like a white kid you know in the 90s i'm like what the hell you know what i mean like this is so like so Mm -hmm. radically different from my purview of the world you know and really informed a lot of a lot of my um like spiritual ideas early in life but blah blah we'll get to that when we have that conversation i just wanted to throw it out there because i am excited that they're adapting that as well but i was also thrilled about this and i'd love to see them do a new goosebumps thing i'd watch it i will sneak sometimes and watch those old episodes they're terrible they're awful but I remember being 10 in October of 1995 when The Haunted Mass debuted on at night. It was, you know, we got, you know, we stayed up and watched it, you know, on a Friday night. Um, you know, so I, I, I've got a lot of love for R.L. Stein. So this was just super, super fun. I'm, I'm just glad we got to spend this time with y'all. And uh, I cannot wait to see you in person, hopefully before March of 2022. But yeah, the way things are going, the way things are looking, I know it's, it's it might be just be March of 2022. Yeah, but this this was very, very great. So thank you all yes. for spending time with us. And you, dear listener, thank you for listening. Uh, you, p- promote yourselves, all the stuff, all the things. Uh, so first and foremost, jerseyghouls.com. Uh, you can find Jersey Ghouls. We, we, we're, we're less fighty on Jersey Ghouls uh, than we than we are on Fright School. Apparently, we're a little less little less fighty there. Depends uh, on the day. Depends on the day. Yeah, it depends on the day. No, but, but I, we always make up at the end. That's all that matters. We do. We do. We fight and we get really mad and then we like just look in each other's eyes and mm-hmm. you know what? And Whitney we, Houston plays in the background. We really do. We That's do. Right. You know what? This is like, like I said in the beginning. This is this is what we as best friends do. We often are on polar opposites with a lot of things that we discuss when it comes to film and and thematic things. And you know, the, our our readings of things are often very different. But at the end of yeah. the day, uh, we absolutely adore each other. So it's just you know, we it's a wink and a nod, and and we love and we move on, and you know, it's it's we break balls, and that's just our little Jersey way of. Of being, of we're, being family, okay? we are family. we're family. We are family. But yeah, yeah so jerseyghouls.com, search Jersey Ghouls, social media, favorite podcasting app. You will you will find us there just by that little Jersey Ghouls phrase. 
Yep. And while you're there, definitely check out the list we missed, Jackie's newest yeah. podcast with AJ. It is so much fun. And for people who maybe do tend to gloss over those movies that everybody's like, oh my God, you haven't seen that. This is the podcast for you because they definitely are going to go back and hit all of those for better or for worse. So definitely check out the list we missed also on all your favorite podcasting apps. Mm-hmm. And lastly, um, if you are a, a filmmaker or someone who's into indie film, definitely check out the Renegade Film Fest. We are accepting submissions through the end of December. Uh, send us your short film, your feature film, and or your screenplays. And remember that we are going to hopefully, fingers crossed, have a live event in March of 2022. And we'd love to see you there. Yay! Alrighty. Well, thank you all once again, Joe. As always, I adore you. I hope that uh, this film gave you nightmares. Good night! Shady side forever. School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network.